Welcome to Asshole Court, the podcast where a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. The 11-point scoring works like this. On the low side, a score of 1 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Mr. Rogers. And on the high side, a score of 11 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Hitler. Pre-show asshole scores are given, and at the end of the show, after all information has been laid out, all three judges will give their final score. The subject's final score will be the average of these three numbers. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. John Gotti you say the name, and immediately those familiar with the mobster conjure up an image. What's the image you have? It's probably not that of a man dying in a Missouri prison in his early 60s. It's probably more in line with his nickname, the Dapper Don, the man wearing $3,000 suits and a shiny watch, walking out of courtroom after courtroom, smiling and giving the middle finger to the justice system. Gracing the cover of magazines in the 1980s, John Gotti tapped into the curiosity of America through a number of court cases and gave us a peek behind the curtain and how the secret world of organized crime operates. His persona still lives on. 17 years after his death, you hear his name in popular music and culture. For almost half a century, he eluded the law and in that time, pulled in about half a billion dollars for his crime ring. Like my man Jay-Z said, and how most mobsters wind up, even Gotti goes, adios. But we are not here to do a complete biography of John Gotti. Not at all. In fact, Teflon Don still can't get out of court. You see, today John Gotti enters our courtroom where everyone is guilty and you can only walk out with a smile on your face, just the way he would have wanted it. This is Asshole Court. guys let's get your initial thoughts on john Gotti. okay i spent a ton of time as a teenager wanting to be a mobster like every white kid that grew up in the 90s so i i know a good bit about this guy uh and the people around him but the interesting thing is that i've always felt like he is actually what fucked up the mafia in the long run mm-hmm. right like you look at guys like carlo gambino those were like the the true mobsters those are the guys that kept it quiet did everything sort of under, you know, and they weren't showing up in national tabloids. Is that uh, considered like the old school way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gambino crime family. Like Carlo Gambino was like, hey, that guy, he didn't go to jail. He died when he's like 90. You yep, know what I'm saying? at his house. Exactly. So that's the way you want to do it. Now, Gotti shows up and he loves the attention, but on top of that, he's just a dick. That being said, you know, overall, I'm going to give the dude a seven, I think. I'll start with a seven. So I'm going to start off. Growing up, I loved The Sopranos. It was one of my favorite shows, but it never really spurred me to go in and start researching a lot of the different kind of crime families that were going on currently or in the past. So knowing all that, I got to assume that somebody who was one of the heads of one of the major crime families in New York had to be a serious motherfucker, and he probably did a lot of fucking shit. So I'm going to start off by giving this guy an eight. For just right off the rip. All right. So a 7.0 and an 8.0. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, do you have a pre-score before you did all the research? or It's funny because it kind of lines up with what my final score is. So. Okay. Let's yeah. run it. Yeah, kind of running right. in, in Sounds one good. of the same. John Joseph Gotti Jr. was born October 27th, 1940 as the fifth of 13 children to John Joseph Gotti Sr. and John's wife. Paloma, better known as Fanny. What did her fucking vagina look like after 13 kids? God, I got to imagine. And her name's Fanny. so Like I mean, a windsock. That's, that's what I was about to say. Everybody was busting kids out back in the day, man. I can't believe Like, 13 kids is, like, do you know anybody that has more than four kids now? Not these nope. days. 
just those people. They would have a fucking TV show now. Right. But but back then, they were just like, that's just the neighbors. That's the gaddies. John yeah. and Fanny, plus eight. She's pre- <laughs> plus, plus 12. Plus 12. Fucking 13 yeah. now. She's got a huge vagina. <laughs> well, speaking of Fanny and vagina, so, you know, like an old school name like Fanny, you don't hear of anybody named Fanny anymore. We got a little run a few years ago of like Rose and yeah. Mary, kind of yep. like old school names coming May. back. But not Fanny is out because well, in England now, yeah, yeah, you're naming your daughter after your vagina. Yeah, fa- Fanny in the U.S. is butt, right? But. You're like, oh, you bruise your Fanny. But in the U.K., it's totally vagina. So when they're like, uh, oh, when I'm over in the U.S. and they're calling kids like to bruise their Fanny, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? You sit awkward on the bar stool, <laughs> and they got a Fanny pack. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a vagina pack. <laughs> My match pack. <laughs> Got it ready to go. Oh, hold on! No, don't leave yet. I need to go back in and get my fanny pack. They're like, "This is this is not the land of dreams." (laughs) My vag pack has all my my fanny pack has all my toiletries in it. According to Wikipedia, the Gotti family grew up poor in East New York neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. Playing stickball. That's right. John's father was a day laborer with a bad gambling habit, so it was up to the kids to make it all happen. Didn't take. Yeah, he was fucking all the time too. Shit. Well, that's true. So he must have been, yeah, digging ditches and fucking his yeah. wife. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> What'd you do today? He said, "Well, I gambled all of my paycheck away, and then I impregnated my wife." <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's Tuesday. Don't get a job. Yeah. I'll get one tomorrow. <laughs> Didn't take a long for old Johnny Boy to get started in what would wind up being a lifelong crime spree. He was an errand boy at a social club. That sounds kind of gay. But I, was, I, was just about to say, I was like, yeah, he's like a cabana boy. Oh, what can I get you there? Donny nostrils. He's like, oh, you can get me a drink, you know, maybe a rub down. So, yeah. So, he was an errand boy at a social club. <laughs> For a guy by the name of Carmine Fatico. He was a captain in the Gambino crime family. And this was at age 12. So, at age 12, I... Remember vividly playing a shitload of baseball in my backyard yeah. in the summer, and then we would jump into the little above ground pool. Yeah, and oh, I remember just that. in and out hours of fun. Like at no point did I uh, ever think, well, have to give a, a mobster a rubdown. Shit, yeah, <laughs> got to give Polly Nostrils a pina colada and a hand job. To make a penis colada. Keep, keep the lights on tonight. <laughs> Or they weren't coming around to collect their dues just so we could keep on playing yeah. baseball in the backyard. So we don't talk about that. Johnny Jr., you give that power man a hand job out there to keep the lights on. You hear me? Your dad's gambled all the money away. We got to do it. Get one of your brothers to touch his butt. <laughs> so, I touched it last week. The thing is, it is it is literally that beginning scene from Goodfellas where he's talking about, uh, he starts working for all, he's like running cabs for him or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, meets him in the the little grocery shop, pretty much. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. His mom's like, "You look like a gangster." He's like, "Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. ma." Go Thanks. change before your daddy gets home. Yeah, they didn't talk about the hand jobs on Goodfellas, though. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Penis coladas and hand jobs, huh? <laughs> so by age twelve, he was running errands for Carmine Fatico out of the Gambino crime family, and uh, at age fourteen, he developed a limp. Because he was stealing a cement mixer from a construction site, oh. and the cement mixer fell on his toes and oh. smashed a few of his toes. <laughs> Can you imagine Ouch. seeing a fourteen-year-old trying to carry off a cement mixer? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, that dude was built like a fucking brick shit house. <laughs> hey, hey, I got a good idea. I'm just gonna go pick up that thing that weighs like four hundred pounds. Like I don't have a good, I, I don't have a good feeling about this, Johnny. He's like, just shut the fuck up, come with me. Yeah, get the fuck out, goddammit. He said, oh, I dropped it on my fucking butt. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. We gotta go. It's like limping off of the site, you know. Yeah, what a limp. What a fucking nerd. Uh, when it came to school, though, Gotti was a prodigy in all subjects. No, that's not even in the slightest true. <laughs> <laughs> He dropped out of school at 16, and the streets were calling him. He went to work for the John, gang. John! Johnny, come out here! Come and run on the streets! <laughs> he went to work for the gang, the Fulton Rockaway Boys, eventually becoming their leader. They sound like a cowboy gang. I yeah, think it was, it was kind of a cool name that is, and it, I saw the name. It's a subway stop. Yeah, Rockaway and, Beach is like uh, in, in Queens. Yep. And uh, so there you have the Rockaway neighborhood, and then I guess Fulton Street yeah. runs through there. So okay. there you go. But it well, does they, still they sound like, seem like they would be the rivals to the Hardy Boys. Or I something. was thinking like the Apple <laughs> Dumpling Gang. <laughs> so he had a hard, fast life and had been arrested five times by the time he was twenty-one. But Shit, never really, yeah. I beat that. Nice, nice to know. <laughs> 
arrested numbers. Yeah. Arrested five times by the time he was 21, but never served any real extended time. According to History.com, John Gotti married 17-year-old Victoria DiGiorgio on March 6th, 1962. Do you think she's Italian? A little bit, DiGiorgio! The couple would frequently fight in the early years of their marriage due to John's career. Didn't everybody in New York and Brooklyn fight? Yeah, you that's know. in those movies. They're just yelling across the alleyway. <laughs> you shut up, John! No, you shut the fuck up! He's like, I'm out here trying to steal this fucking concrete mixer, and I come <laughs> home. Busting my toes He said, you. I, I broke my foot, and you got some fucking Chef Boyardee sitting here. Some SpaghettiOs, bitch. <laughs> Put some effort into your shit. You're fucking up Grandma's recipe. Yeah, my mom that. I was into this. Would you stop? 15 minutes ago? <laughs> You know he's just got that white wife beater too. That's all oh, they wear. Uh-huh. As soon as they get home, Slick they just back take, hair. Yeah, take the shirt off. They got a gold chain like and a white wife beater. Desi Arnaz with Lucille Ball yeah. is kind of who I envision. Yeah, it's like, he was Cuban. <laughs> but yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> he therefore held legitimate jobs at the sake of his marriage and his children. He worked as a presser in a coat factory as well as an assistant to a truck driver. What does a presser do? Hiring? Uh, you know, I was, and that's what I thought. When you get your coat pressed, it's essentially putting the creases in okay. the jacket line. You know, when you're, you have your different, that makes sense. Uh, the button set up, so you're you're putting the creases in the sleeve and in the breast plate there. If that makes sense. And uh, the pants as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Well, it's it's the coat factory though, so I don't know if they're making. They may well, be making Burlington pants. Coat sells pants. I, sell everything. I get it. <laughs> 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 However, his crime-free life was short-lived. And he had served jail time twice by 1966 as a 26-year-old. So, uh, could you imagine being John Gotti's boss at the coat factory? Oh, my God. All right. So, doing all this research for the show, you go down the rabbit hole on so many different guys. Uh, that came out weird. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're doing research for the show, and you start, you know, re- you hit names on Wikipedia, and you're just going down the hole, learning kind of how the whole story gets put together. Right. But you look and see where these guys were physically born and yeah. physically grew up. Yeah, you can just go down Google Street. Well, that, and they were all a block away from each other. Yeah. I'm talking, like, yeah. the top guys in all the crime families mm-hmm. were all in the same, like, four-block radius. Yeah. Like, that's where it was all right there. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's like the 84 quarterback draft. Yeah. Everybody's just a fucking stud. So if you know anything about your neighborhood and you're the boss at the coat factory, John Gotti walks in and he's like, I need a job. And you're like, shit. Well, he's that, already yes, sir. Time, though, was God, Gotti wasn't he was the, the made guy at this point, though, right? No, no. No, this was when he was leading the Fulton Rockaway So boys. he was like a little hoodlum sort of 26 dude. years old. Yeah. Like, he was kind of the... <laughs> Stealing imagine, fucking concrete mixers. Imagine, like, the biggest weed dealer oh, when yeah. we were, like, 18 and they were, like, 26. Yeah. That's kind of how I imagine. Yeah. So he walks but I'm like, probably on a little bigger scale. Walks in, like, Drug Emporium and the fucking pharmacist is like, do you know who that is? Yeah. <laughs> that guy sells a ton of weed. <laughs> Whatever he wants. Wants, just give it to him, all right? Job. Oh, weird. So the he wants to buy, cig- the he wants to buy cigarettes. <laughs> He's not even of age. Just sell them to him. So you got to assume that the boss lives close to the factory. Yeah. Uh, so he knows who the hell John Gotti is. Sure. Um, yeah. He knows who his dad is. He's like, yeah. your dad's a degenerate. He gambles everything away. He always comes in here trying to steal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll give you a job. All the neighborhoods knew everybody back then. Uh, all the communities knew everybody back then a lot more than we do in today's society by any stretch of the imagination. So I could kind of imagine how a reprimand would go. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, I need to talk to you about your uh, collar creases. They've been a bit crooked lately, and I just need to see if you need any uh, additional training or help to get things, you know, right again. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, boss. I could definitely use some help. Some help to prevent myself from jamming that nameplate on your desk so far up your ass, your eyes will become your name tag. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Uh, thanks for stopping by. I'm sure the creases are fine. I'll get you a bonus. <laughs> get you a fucking bonus, dude. Excellent work, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 really, right, it's I really like work. the way that uh, the oomph that you had when you threatened my life. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, obviously that didn't last too long. By 68, uh, Gotti was pretty knee-deep in some pretty serious crime. One of the targets for the mob back then was all the freight and the merchandise coming into New York City. Yeah. yeah. They would hijack the trucks, leaving the airports and seaports, usually at gunpoint, and would just steal all the contents in the whole truck and make off with the loop and go back to a safe house. You can't do that shit nowadays. It's, no. Everything's trackable, traceable. Mm-hmm. Everything's got a GPS they on it. They said even then, when these guys were pulling this kind of shit, the Port Authority could have Kennedy Airport sealed off in 90 seconds. So they would just wait for essentially all the... They would track the halls... 
and watch it all get loaded onto a truck, yeah. follow the truck, and then steal the truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a the fucking, easy way. Yeah. yeah. Let everybody else do all the loading. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to steal do the Do all the hard work, and then you just zoom right on in. Hey, we got Thanks, a whole thing guys. of fur coats here. There's always, always fur coats in the movies, oh, too, right? There's well, a truck load of fur cigarettes. coats. Well, yeah. Uh, cigarettes, yeah. One of the things Gotti got arrested for is $50,000 load of cigarettes. It's a great deal because you steal the cigarettes, and you sell them at half price, and back then... Everybody smoked. Yep. So oh, yeah. you're yeah. fucking talking about uh, your total addressable market is everybody. Everybody. Gotti's Wikipedia page says that in uh, February 1968, United Airlines employees identified Gotti as their man who had signed for stolen merchandise. The FBI arrested him for the United hijacking, and uh, soon after, he was arrested for a third time hijacking while out on bail two months later. This time, stealing a load of cigarettes worth fifty thousand dollars off the New Jersey Turnpike. Later that year, Gotti pleaded guilty to the Northwest Airlines hijacking and was sentenced to three years in Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. That's Wait, the first what, time he did real extended that, time. Uh, that wasn't, was that the, the Lufthansa high school? No. Oh, that was, okay, no, that's that, that, that was yeah. before all that. Yep. Ten years later in 1978, Gotti was in on the largest unrecovered robbery to date. An estimated $5.875 million, which is the equivalent to $22.6 million in 2018 money, was stolen. About $5 million in cash and $875,000 in jewelry taken from the Kennedy Airport in an uber-detailed, multi-crime family armed robbery known as the Lufthansa Luft, known Lufthansa. It's a tough word. Known as the Lufthansa yeah. heist. Luft balloons. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Luft these. Yeah. The details about the robbery and all the precautions and information they had is enough for its own show. But this is the same robbery you've seen portrayed in the $10 million getaway, which came out in 1991. And then the big heist, which and, came out in two thousand one, and Goodfellas, Goodfellas, the best yeah. one. Yeah, you, ever you, since you said Lil Jon's yeah. five million dollars, I just immediately see Ray Liotta in the shower. Yeah, you fucking did it. <laughs> and then yeah, they're like everybody at the bar. You yeah, know, they're De Niro just, just killing everybody afterwards, yep. leaving them in fucking freezers. That's exactly right, Jimmy Burke. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jimmy Burke, Jimmy the Jim. Like I said, that's kind of a whole. That could be a whole show in and of itself. So yeah. Jimmy Burke was kind of the mastermind because he was on one crime family's property essentially uh-huh. they got a little cut of it but they had to send a guy mm-hmm. um they needed to use a resource of Gotti's. so Gotti's kind of role in it was to make sure that the van they used uh was to get the van mm-hmm. and then make sure that the van was disposed of in new jersey yeah that's where stacks yep. fucked up yep. stacks stacks fucking smoked a joint on the way literally smoked yeah. a joint on the way to the junkyard said fuck it i'm gonna go to my girlfriend's house and, and crash out. Apparently, well, apparently they drank and did cocaine all night. Mm. And uh, yeah, by the time he woke up the next afternoon, the cops had already towed the van. The dumb he, fuck parked in front of a fire hydrant. And no yeah. parking zone. Absolutely yeah. right. Yep. Parked in a no parking zone. They towed the van and they're like, huh, this is that van that stole that mm-hmm. shit last night. Yep. <clears throat> they lifted a bunch of fingerprints off of that's it. That's exactly and- right. That's how they got the ball rolling. And that's know. how Samuel L. Jackson got his head blown off. <laughs> But so, like, what I mean, like all the all the crime families, like since they were all involved in it, it what was this like the all stars of the crime family? Like they send like one person from one it's family, it, one yeah. person from there's another of, family. Yeah, there's a lot of politics in and, it, so everybody wants a cut, so they've got to send a guy basically as a representative. I'm guessing here. I've never been no, in a crime family, but pretty, that's kind of how the stories go. Is yeah. if you're getting a cut, you got to kind of send. You yeah, have to have, have a little hands. skin in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, and it makes sense. It makes sense, and it could be as easy as Gotti's part, where you just had to get a van. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Get a van and get rid of it. That you didn't. Have to physically be there yeah but that he was in on it i went over to the u-haul and told him i need a van to do crime with man that's crazy so that whole thing started with a guy who was in debt to a guy who knew jimmy burke so jimmy mm-hmm. burke knew a guy who was owed money from a guy who worked at the airport who was told from another guy about all this untrackable american currency right. that was coming from west germany and essentially they got all the inside information in regards to how to open doors, mm-hmm. just like you saw the oh, robbery yeah. go down in the movies. That's exactly how it went. Uh, one door had to be completely shut and closed before the next door could be open or the alarm would go off. They just had everything they needed to pull that thing off. Almost anytime you see a giant crime like that, somebody on the inside is involved. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Always. Oh, they said when the guys came in with guns, held the employees up at gunpoint and were putting them on the floor, they knew them by name. Hey, what's up, Steve? <laughs> hey, are you actually, you're doing it. Oh, you're, you're fucking doing, doing it. Get the fuck on the floor for I blow No, 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 no for real. Like I, I think a... it's cool. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Just please don't fucking shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> Out of like 10 employees, six of them are pissing their pants and yeah. four of them aren't, you know. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, uh, by the way, uh, can you work my shift next week? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bring my cut over to uh, my mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> 
How did Gotti become the boss of the Gambino crime family? Ooh, this is a good one. Just like any other hardcore mobster would, by having his boss killed. That's how. Paul Castellano. That's right. As Man, that got, was a ballsy move for back then, wasn't you it? You think so? Oh, my God. So the whole rule behind killing a boss in the mafia is you have to have, so there's five families. Yep. And you have to have unanimous three out of five saying, uh, I'm, we're cool with this. Yeah. Um, some majority. So, some majority, exactly. Um, he couldn't obviously go to anyone in his family. Yeah, and it's a risky move because as soon as you start putting it out there, oh, totally. if they say no, you're oh, dead. Yep, because oh, yeah. they go tell them. Yeah, and you read so point. many stories about so many of these guys. That's it. They'll get a rift between each other, mm-hmm. go tell somebody. He goes and tells yeah. that guy. Everybody winds up dead usually. That's one of like, those, those in the movies, it's so great, those meetings where they're like, yeah, we have to have a talk. And then you're like, I think I'm not killing this guy. And the boss is like, Nah, I don't think it's a good idea. Fuck. That means that means like literally just like I'm going to have you killed very shortly after yes. this. This will not work out. I'm sorry things aren't working. It's like the That's where you modern the day version of getting fired from the mafia. Yeah. I'm sorry things aren't working out. Yeah. But hey, come take a ride with us real quick. Yeah, we're, we're gonna go to the ball game. <laughs> I was gonna say we're gonna give you your exit interview if you could just follow me this way, sir. Go ahead and pack your box up. You're not gonna need it really, but we just want to make it seem as normal as possible. Uh-huh. You're gonna use it to fucking shoot your brains into, okay? Go we're gonna take- go to the ball game, but uh we gotta make a stop by this junkyard real quick on the way. <laughs> We're going to respect your wife's wishes and let you take your shoes off. That was one guy that was executed by uh, one of the Gambino crime family. That was his wish. He have his shoes off? He promised his wife, uh, I'll never die with my shoes on, which meant like in the streets doing Yeah. I mean, she's like, I well, that's just a technical win, they, I guess. They, they, yeah, absolutely. They literally were like, take your fucking shoes off. And they said he was like, I don't want to die. Yeah, I don't want to no, die. No, they said he. this guy was like, all right, cool. I'm going to die. Let me take my shoes off. Yeah. and You guys can fucking kill me. Those dudes are for real. Like once once you're once you're in it, you're just like, all right, this is what. Hey, this is you played the game man. Yep. You, you rolled the dice. Yeah, absolutely. So as Gotti was rising in the ranks of the Gambino family, the boss of the family at the time was Paul Costellano. Gotti was one of his prime earners, but they didn't care for each other in the slightest. A big beef they had was over drug dealing. Castellano was totally against any of his made men dealing drugs and said he'd kill anyone caught doing so. Gotti's brother, Gene, was arrested for trafficking heroin in 1983, and he feared the boss man was going to put his brother on ice. He did sort of put it out there. Yeah, I'll kill you if yeah. you steal drugs. You deal so drugs, I'll kill you. He said, you. I, I, I got caught dealing drugs. You think he's going to kill me? Yeah. Uh, I think he's, it says right here in the uh, in the memo. In the bylaws. Yeah. Did you get that email? He'll, he's going to kill you. <laughs> so what What? What? what was the apprehension? Blind, blind copied me on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and we get back in the loop. We'll touch base and kill that guy. <laughs> I'll pin you and we'll assassinate yeah. this motherfucker. From a 30,000 uh, uh, foot view, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> So what was the apprehension about getting involved in drugs? If you're already getting into murder, racketeering, it right, was an old that. school, just a uh, Italian thing. I don't. I think they thought it was just like that's bad. It's like scum. Yeah, you like, that's the trash. That's yeah. scum. You don't smoke crack. You don't numbers, prostitution, stealing, all that shit was okay. But like drugs were like you fucking loser. Yeah, yeah doing okay. heroin. Who would do that? Now bring me that whore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I killed her husband and stole that fucking truck from him and sold last Full week. Of and make sure yeah. to get my numbers off to the book. Before they close up shop for the night, Gotti's mentor was a Gambino capo named Neil Della Croce. So yep. when Della Croce died of cancer in 1985, Castellano, who at the time was under indictment, revised the succession plan for the family and passed over Gotti for the promotion to acting boss or underboss. Mm-hmm. So essentially, yeah, Gotti's mentor was Della Croce. When he died, Della Croce was number two, and Gotti thought he was going to get yep. acting boss and was passed up. Essentially, by two guys. Yeah, um, that's like when I didn't get that uh, my raise that I expected, and I was like, "You're dead, boss." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your Excel yeah. spreadsheets from yeah. now on. Exactly, your data's gone, bitch. <laughs> Castellano also didn't attend the wake of Della Croce. Yeah, and that this was bad. Was Ooh, act, that was yep, bad. this was the act of disrespect, is what reportedly sent Gotti to the point to make his move yeah and I think honestly that when I was I, I read like back in the day I read a bunch on this stuff and Castellano was the type of dude that he didn't interact with these guys he At wasn't all. like a neighborhood guy nope. he lived in a giant mansion like they I call it the White House it, yeah. it was a replica of the White House almost and he really wanted to take the the crime family more legit yep and a lot of these guys didn't respect that so it was he didn't have a lot of interaction he didn't have a lot of rapport with his guys so I think that's ultimately what Sealed his fate. And he had never really been a street guy. He didn't right. start on yeah. the streets. He didn't have mm-hmm. the street cred. He had never 
you know, he was a business. So none man. of the street Absolutely. guys, none yeah. of the street guys had respect for him. Right. And then uh, when he was uh, under indictment, some tapes had leaked because he was having he was obviously sleeping with his housekeeper. Mm, yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. And his wife, you know, lived there with him. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but he was recorded talking about a penile implant that he was. Gonna oh, get. insult to yeah. injury! Yeah, to uh, to cure his impotence. And uh, oh, so the thing obviously is, once I, that- uh, I, I, you know, I saw you over there cleaning up the dresser, <laughs> and uh, I just want to fuck real bad, but my dick doesn't work. So I went and got this penile implant. Oh, that's really impressive. That's really impressive, Paul. I've got to be honest. You I wasn't really into you, but now with that penile implant. Gonna suck it. Is your checkbook in the same place? Oh, yeah. I know what I'm paying for. I get it. I've also (laughs) invested in some medical companies. Maybe in the next 10 years, they'll be able to come out with something. I don't know, but... uh, This one right now, I just got to pump it like 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ready to fuck. Oh, kind of like the shoes, huh? (laughs) Check the shoes off. (laughs) Pump pump it up. Gotti's hitman, Sammy the Bull Gravano, testified in the murder trial that he and Gotti sat in a car across the street from Sparks Steakhouse That's in New York it. City and personally watched to make sure that the hit they had on Castellano went down. As Castellano and his underboss, Thomas Bellotti, pulled up to the steakhouse and got out, a group of armed men reportedly ran up and shot... Oh, shit, my fucking text cut out. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote the wrong thing down. He no, he went inside. No Sparks at Sparks? <laughs> I was just he uh, went inside, had a delicious uh, porterhouse, <laughs> went, went back home, home and fucked his maid. With his penile <laughs> implants. <laughs> Sounds hey, like a goddamn defibrillator. A group of armed men dressed in white trench coats and Russian hats gunned both men down. Yeah, they went out wow. style-wise. Like, they had like wardrobe. They're like, I mean, bring wardrobe dramatic. in. He said, how am I going to kill this guy? He's like, I, you got to look fucking cool when you do it. Russian yeah, hats right? and white trench coats. He's like, what scares you the most? He's like, the Soviets. <laughs> <laughs> Get those fucking hats. Make this shit look like the Cold War. It was, yeah. right? And it was Gotti's call at the last minute to add the hats and add the wardrobes from all the See, he hats. always had a flair. Guy could dress. He knew what was up. That's the funny thing. Apparently, he didn't know how to dress. Oh! So, yeah. That may be the... That's... Oh, that's... All right. The so, dapper Don was not so dapper. One of the rumors... Oh, man. So I, I'm trying to think of the comparison they gave. Uh, it was uh, one of the recordings from the mob guys says okay. that if it was up to Gotti himself to dress himself every day, he would look like one of the wild and crazy guys from Saturday Night Live. Swear to God. He's like a child. God, that was the quote. Like you're trying to dress your kid. You're like, what shirt you want to wear? And they're like, this, this one. You're like, that doesn't even match your pants. He's like, I want to wear it anyways. Like, John, John, for real. They're like, take off the clown shoes. He's like, they look good. They look great. No, but my there was feet fit in them. There was a Comes guy. Up my limp. No shit. Named like Fat Al or Fat Tony or something like yeah. that. That was his stylist. And, Whoa, and sweet fucking job in the prime. Uh, Gotti made between five and estimated up to twenty million dollars a year, and every day would be driven down to the barber shop for a trim of the hair, the yeah. nose, everything. Before the he nose, popped out yeah, the, yeah. Before he started his day, he got a haircut every. Single I think day. about that all the time. Wow. I'd like to. I'd like to have a haircut every day too. I think. That's a little bit uh, a little bit overboard. I no, mean, no, I don't once every hair, three so days because you know? it's it, it would take it would just be like a touch up, just quick touch up. You know, there's a guy you get you know out of the shower. There's a guy gives you a hand job and then cut your hair. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> guy, God, you, yeah. You can at least go to sport clips and get a girl to give you a hand job and cut your hair. Or maybe a, a dude with a real sweet box cut <laughs> that can you know slam dunk. You like, like the calves on that guy. Reportedly, right after the shooting, Gotti and Gravano slowly drove by the bodies of the two slain men with Gotti looking out the passenger window to make sure that the job was done. And it was. He looks dead to me. Yup. Me too. So I'm now, like picturing him driving by with like an old 90s camcorder like just like making sure it's <laughs> happening. The 80s one has <laughs> right? giant. And yeah, uh, Sammy the Bull's driving and holding like a battery pack. <laughs> <laughs> I got your battery, Johnny. Oh, filming this? You filming this? <laughs> he said, we got for- that motherfucker. <laughs> I forgot to put the tape in. You <laughs> ruined <Shit>, every, <laughs> every goddamn time, Sammy. He said, now I'm going to have you killed, too. Yeah, you and fucking Flippy. What was his name? <laughs> Tommy Belletti. No, no, the driver that left the van. Oh, Smoke, yeah. stacks, stacks, stacks. stacks. Fuck, he forgot you the van, stacks. you forgot the tape. God damn both of you. <laughs> so now, with the boss dead and gone, Gotti had hand in the situation. He was elected the new boss of the Gambino crime family by its captain shortly thereafter. Hey, who are you going to vote for? The guy that killed that guy or uh, or me? Um, 
Hey, uh, for real though, I'm, I'll get us. I'll get us a milkshake machine here in, in the clubhouse. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to go with the guy that killed the guy. That you know, what the Ric Flair? To be the man, you've got to kill the man. That's right. Woo! And I Woo! totally did. <laughs> Had my boss blown away outside of a nice restaurant. Spocks. Hey. So, what made Gotti so much different than all the other gangsters and mob bosses of his time? You touched on a little bit earlier. He loved the spotlight of the media after getting acquitted from multiple trials where it turns out in a shocking twist that Gotti intimidated and paid off jurors to make sure that he didn't wind up behind bars. Shocker. Yep. He kept up with his Dapper Don image during the trials by bringing a fresh suit to change into after lunch. That was, a, that was, a, that was fat, fat Tony, the guy that dressed him. That's right. I brought your suit, uh, Johnny. I, I got your bologna sandwich in your suit. Now make sure your nose hairs yeah. are trimmed before you go in front of the cameras again. You can't wear that Metallica shirt to court, Johnny. <laughs> Thanks for Take me. off the clown juice, like, goddammit. I gotta be honest. Have you listened to Injustice for All? <laughs> because <laughs> I get fucking amped when I'm a darkness imprisoning me. All that I see. It's right, like so James Hetfield is in my head. Yeah. He knows what's going on. Yeah. I want to kill James Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> so he was on the cover of Time Magazine, People Magazine, and cast across news stations all over America. He gained street cred with everyone who heard a story about the poor kid from Brooklyn now running a crime family with a reported annual income of $500 million. What's this guy going to have like a Robin Hood complex or something like that? You know? Oh, he didn't give it back to the poor, though. <laughs> Not in the slightest. <laughs> It didn't help that the Godfather movies had also glorified and put its Hollywood spin on how things worked. He was beloved by many in his neighborhood for the crime he actually prevented. And this kind of made sense. Yep. Um, so he would have these huge Fourth of July parties and he would kind of made himself a public presence in his neighborhood. If you were thinking about committing a crime or going there to do something you shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. and you knew that you were going into Gotti's neighborhood to do it, you better think twice. Yeah, you probably had a little bit more coming to you versus getting caught by the law versus getting caught by John Gotti doing something you shouldn't be doing on his territory. And it's sort of like, right. like standard operating procedure for these gangsters. Like even Pablo Escobar did it. Like the people in... in oh, they love him. Yeah, yeah. He was like beloved the by them. Yeah. But, he mean, would, like, everybody around would, him was poor. So like he would just give them yeah. money. He, he had so much money he didn't it's even know what to do with like, it. So it was uh, like, here, let me just give it to all y'all. It's like New Jack City when Nino Brown gives the turkeys to everybody on Thanksgiving, yep. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It works. Because then the, they love you. They'll protect you. They'll... They'll tip you off when some shit's about to go down. That's exactly right. The FBI had been familiar with Gotti since the 70s and were definitely in tune with a lot of his actions. He called his captains to weekly meetings at the Gambino headquarters, the Ravenite Social Club in yeah. Little Italy. Yeah. It is now a shoe store. Oh. Yeah. Maybe it's, like, it's where the guy left his shoes and got killed. <laughs> this, uh, his son he said, started he said, it. I got this great idea. <laughs> Let's kill all these guys and take the shoes take and the sell, them. sell them. Second hand. It should work. We'll call it Susie's Shoes. These are Bruno Mollies. They're worth at least like 700 bucks. He's get the blood off. I've got this guy, Al Bundy. He can run the shop. <laughs> Alfonso Bundy. <laughs> Alfonso Bundellini. <laughs> Alfonso Bundellino. Or <laughs> be Alphonse. You yeah, know yeah. That, that yeah. He's Alphonse. like, I prefer. He said, Alfonso is for kids. It's Alphonse Bundellino. <laughs> <laughs> my bitch wife Pegalini. Pegalini. That's not even a real name. <laughs> right. And my daughter Kali. Kali. And my daughter Badino. Badino. <laughs> and her dog was the dog's name. I don't even remember the dog. Oh, what was the dog's name? Oh. Charlie. No, that's gonna bug me now. Buck. 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 That yeah, guy. it was Buck. Buck Nino. Buck likes buck. To buck. <laughs> <laughs> He's always getting some bitch pregnant around here. Right. They bugged everything they could get their hands on to try and record any incriminating evidence they could. And what they got was what they were looking for. Do you know Rico? Yeah. Not no. And it's not Napoleon Dynamite's football chunking uncle either. But according to Justia.com, Rico is the federal racketeering influenced and corrupt organizations law and was passed in 1970 and was the ultimate hitman in mob prosecutions. Yeah, that's what took down the Italian mafia Absolutely. pretty much. Sure, yep. you can take one down, you can mm -hmm. uh, make everybody guilty yep. of it. So prior to RICO, prosecutors could only try mob-related crimes individually. Since different mobsters perpetrated each crime, the government can only prosecute individual criminals instead of shutting down the entire criminal organization. So now pretty much with RICO... The government could charge the bosses with the crimes that their goons were pulling off. It's like a roll-up. They get the yep. lower guys, roll them up, and then they get the capos, and then they eventually go to the boss. Sure. Absolutely. A definite game-changer in the mafia world. 
So after having his boss killed and being in the crime spotlight for decades, Gotti's actions finally caught up with him on December 11th, 1990. FBI agents and New York Police Department detectives raided the Ravenite, arresting Gotti, Sammy the Bull Gravano, and Frank Lacazio, and charging Gotti with five counts of murder and conspiracy to murder, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion, and of course, throwing a little bit of loan sharking. And being super handsome in those fine suits. <laughs> you know it, dudes. Uh, that's a bad day at the office. You show up and you walk out with uh, about 15 charges coming behind that's you. That's a bad day in life. Yeah. yeah no matter what, which way you look at it. But I'm the Teflon Dawn. So they knew. But they always get the tax evasion in there. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. And uh, the only witness that was allowed to testify for Gotti in his trial. He had six witnesses. Mm-hmm. Five of them were disqualified because they were like, no, we're not letting this mobster come and testify and lie to everybody. Yeah. You know, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. The only guy that was allowed to testify was Gotti's tax attorney. And they also made his lawyers, the judge didn't allow his lawyers to represent mm-hmm. him because the lawyers were in on it. Well, yeah. Of course. They Essentially, they were in-house counsel for the Gambino Dude, family. Dude, if you've seen The Godfather, Tom is the consigliere he's their attorney but he is fucking making moves himself he knows what's up oh yeah they know sure. they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're 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 part they're a piece of the whole thing you can't do it without having an attorney to say this is how you can skirt past this shit so. yeah so um one of the guys dies in a plane wreck and there is a boatload of heroin at his house Ooh. And on Uh-oh. and the FBI had bugged the house you could hear the attorney and someone talking he said Gene found the heroin and he was talking about Gene Gotti, who yeah. was John's oh. brother. Oh, yeah. And it was definitely the lawyer that said it. Mean Gene. <laughs> yeah. So the lawyer was in on it. So the judge said, nope, you're actually part of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gotti hired another attorney that a Bonanno uh, yeah, yeah, family yeah. member had used in the past based out of Miami to come up and represent him during the we trial. Got With no conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, what's his Yelp reviews like? Oh, he's great. He's great. He got me out of a bunch of stuff. I gave him four, four and a half stars on Google reviews or Angie's list. That's where <laughs> that's Monsters a list. fucking plug for Angie's list here. Like uh, John Gotti picked his attorney from Angie's list. He's got 102 five star reviews. Let's get him. Speaking Sit of, him down. Someone needs to give Angie's list a fucking uh, a hint on that haircut, though, Angie. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez she's upstate that shit. Take off the denim shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a denim shirt and a fucking red handkerchief. What are you, my dog? Yeah, you got a whole website full of barbers. You can't find one that won't cut your hair and look like Marcy <laughs> off of fucking Al Bundy. Alphonse Bundelino. Alphonse Bundelino. <laughs> so to prevent jury tampering this go round, they fully sequestered the jury at the trial. This is the trial where Sammy the Bull Gravano famously flipped on Gotti and put him behind bars for life. The Bull, who had heard recorded conversations with Gotti badmouthing him, uh, was given instruction not to hire an attorney. He'd be using Gotti's attorney for the trial. Uh, Gotti also told him, do not talk to his lawyers unless Gotti was there with him. With all these weird vibes he was getting, as well as the long prison sentence ahead of him, Gravano testified against Gotti, and after 14 hours of deliberation, the jury returned a guilty verdict on five counts of murder and 13 counts of racketeering. Gotti was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah, and Gravano tried to make it seem like he was like, I had to. The guy was talking bad about me. He was going to flip on me. But really, if you re- like I read Sammy the Bull Gravano's like the biography. Book, yeah. yeah. And that dude is a absolutely self-serving like piece of shit, really, at the end of the day. And if you want any like furtherance to that like when he got done after he flipped he moved out of arizona yeah. and started a whole pill pushing ecstasy, thing where, yeah, yeah ecstasy. Ecstasy ring yeah and his he tried, wife daughter kids mm-hmm. all, everybody got wrapped up and, and arrested yeah, yeah and he that's the, he wanted all the bona fides of being this awesome uh gangster but also didn't want to pay that price at the end of just i don't know like that's the thing you're supposed to not flip that's your fucking role dude you're when you sign that deal you're like that's when you burn the fucking saint or whatever it is not to say it's a good thing, but he he flipped. And well, that instead of the snitches get stitches, it's snitches get ditches. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, pretty yeah, much yeah. in that. Yeah. Well, and like, he tried to make it seem like, oh, I, d- I had no other choice, but he absolutely, he Of knew course he did. Up. While in prison, Gotti still intended on calling the shots, naming his son John Jr. as acting boss. From his jail cell, he gave instruction and direction, but by this time, the power of his once dominant crime family was fading. Most of his friends and associates were either dead or in jail. 
Gotti developed throat cancer while in prison, and after having a cancerous tumor removed from his throat, only to have it returned a few years later. He lived out his final days at a medical prison in Springfield, Missouri. He died on July... He died on he died on gelato. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I got throat cancer. All I can eat is the gelato. I'm like, eat gelato, chocolate, please." They're like, I "Yeah, drink yeah. A gelato for breakfast." Four-year-old John, eat more than your ice cream. <laughs> he said, "This is just shitty ice cream. It's prison ice cream, John. It's gelato. It's gelato. I'll, I'll, you just bring it to me. It's one of those little shitty cups with a wooden spoon, a little pop top. Yeah, he's got like four back of them though. For so, you, Don." One of the stories I read about when Gotti was in prison mm-hmm. is he got beat up one time. Oh, no. I thought yep. he was supposed to be protected in there. Uh, no, he got beat up real bad. Not real bad. It showed he was busted on his head, his fat lip. He just got kind of beat up. He got probably punched in the face a few times. I'm yeah, guessing. he got disrespected. Yeah, so. Uh, Bare minimum. Yeah, like, do you think that they were fucking giving him like a swirly, like shoving his head in the toilet? <laughs> that fucking beautiful silver fox hair. They're just like, get some, John. He said, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> but uh, the guy uh, that beat him up, they wound up having to move him to Supermax in Colorado because his life was being threatened. Wow. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and the whole rumor was Gotti was working with the Aryan Brotherhood because that was all he could get to work with him. But his whole family disowned that. Yeah, misnomer was like no. He had lots of Latino and African American friends, and that wasn't true. He didn't work with those guys because the Italians again they thought the skinheads, you know, again trash, you know, kind of in yeah, that. yeah. Well, they and, the, the and the Aryans they didn't the like the Italians. Of, of, of yep. the police, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aryans don't like the Italians or whatever. And I mean, my entire understanding of prison comes from American History X. <laughs> the, you know, so I feel like I'm an expert, and in that sense, uh, the Aryans will work with anybody just to get their shit done. So right. you know, I'm a that's Professor History X. Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> Leader of the X-Men. <laughs> he was a fucking skinhead. <laughs> Professor X is a skinhead. We just figured that out. That's right. That's right. right. We, well, Stan Lee also, a lot of his comics uh, dealt with diverse, like trying to address all of that diversity and stuff like that. How come there's not a good Italian-American superhero? Maybe Professor X was that guy. He no, just had he's to, like, a skinhead, back remember? <laughs> we just figured that out. <laughs> yeah. He was a racist skinhead. But that's why he hung out with the mutants. Like an Italian Superman no, or something like uh, that? What would Tony... Uh, Star- Tony Stark? Anthony. Antonio. Yeah, Anthony. Antonio Starkino. But then he, when he came over to uh, Ellis Island, he just changed it to Stark. <laughs> Tony Stark. Hey. <laughs> All right. John Gotti got beat up. That's That's yep. sort of sad. And John Gotti died on June 10th, 2002. R.I.P. Johnny boy. All right. So what made John Gotti uh, score on the asshole chart? Because, again, everybody's guilty. You yeah. just get a score. Doesn't make you an asshole. Everybody's a little bit of an yeah. asshole. Just how bad of an asshole are you? So John Gotti killed a bunch of people starting at age 23 and was still trying to put hits out on dudes that ratted him out his last years in prison. Yeah. He got his kids and pretty much his entire family, five brothers, his brother-in-law, and his son, John Jr., involved in the Gambino crime family and all served prison time. Yeah, kind of comes to the territory. He scared the absolute shit out of people as he robbed them at gunpoint, extorted them, murdered people in broad daylight, intimidated jurors, and overall bullied people into doing whatever the fuck he needed them to do. Did John actually kill people himself, or did he just have it done? He had a guy do it for him. Do it for me. He had to do it first, and then he rose to the ranks to where you have somebody do it for you. He said, what do you mean to fuck this $3,000? You heard the guy. I wear $3,000 suits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to fucking ruin this thing. I'm not going to ruin my tie getting blood all over it. (laughs) Sammy, go whack. Go beat the guy up a little bit. Go whack that guy off. Go bust What? what? (laughs) I need some some clarity on that, John. He said, hey, boss, I mean, I'm willing to do it, but I'm really uncomfortable when you talk about whacking guys off here. Are you Just, part of the family or not? He's like, you know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I misspoke, you fucking motherfucker. Hey, but now I do want you to give that guy a hand job, and then I want you to kill yeah. him. Jerk him off first, bring me back some of his nut on your hand, and blow his fucking brains off. You understand me? <laughs> brains and gum. That's all. <laughs> so... He was convicted of five murders. Um, they say he pulled the trigger on three of them. Okay, all right. Yeah. So he's got legit bodies. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. It was like, And that's yeah. just what we know about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's way more. Yeah. John Gotti's final asshole rating from me, 8.0. Wow. And going into it, that was right around where I thought it was going to be. Because you know he had his hands bloody as hell. Yeah. You know, there was... Well, I gave him, what, a seven? 
Did I get yeah, a seven? Yeah, you gave him a seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have two eights and a seven. Yeah. Okay. So all right. where are you? Where do you land after everything's said and done? Well, so the thing for me is all the murder and racketeering and stuff like that. Like that, it's part and parcel with being in the mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make it. It's certainly not good. And it was funny. All right. So I'm gonna get back into this because I remember, like I said, when I was younger, I wanted to be in the mafia so much, and I remember my stepdad at the time. We were watching. It was Casino, and I was just like gushing about how cool it was yeah. and i was like i, I want it he was like do you want it would you want to be in the mafia and i was like hell yeah i want to be in the mafia look at all the cool stuff they do and i remember him telling me he was like those guys are he's like they're leeches they're scumbags they're absolutely he's like they they're they're horrible for society and i was like you're just a dork it doesn't get it. how dope this shit is and uh now as an adult i'm like oh yeah you were right i'm sorry about that they were just they extorted people so they suck, man. They're, please don't kill me if you're in the mafia and you're listening to this. But uh, that is unfortunate. I think the worst thing that he did, though, well, the whole mafia thing created this vibe where it was like the coolest thing ever. And all of a sudden, in the late 90s and early 2000s, everybody started talking like they were Italian yeah. and from New Jersey. And so I'm going to say the reason that he – I'm going to bump him up to an eight is because – he ended up having kids that were in a show that was like growing up gaudy, and I blame him for Jersey Shore. There you go. I was yep. gonna, I was gonna put a correlation to Jersey Shore. Yeah, with the whole the culture. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the whole. Do you remember uh, the, what was that show? A Hell's Kitchen? No, it was a Hell's. It was where he would go and and, and fix the restaurants. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, restaurant yeah. nightmare in, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they did one in Jersey, and there was a guy that legit like he acted like he was a made guy in a crime family, but he ran. A restaurant and I don't I just like yeah everybody that was like Bensonhurst motherfucker every Italian person in that area was just like I'm in the mob I'm in the mob and, and tons of people thought it was cool so I blame him for the culture because he was the one that got on Time Magazine he should have been like Carlo Gambino been quiet lived out his life done his shit and that's it so I'm bumping him up to an 8 because of the Jersey Shore <laughs> alright I started off at, at an 8 not knowing much but figured he did a lot of stuff but I mean, this guy was even from from his teenage years. He was sitting there stealing a bunch of stuff, uh, albeit maybe not the best thief. If he's dropping a cement mixer <laughs> onto his feet, you know, uh, please don't come back. I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. But um, you're gonna steal a cement mixer? <laughs> no, that people are gonna be like, "You're talking shit about John." <laughs> Get whacked or something. But um, I, I said this is, this podcast had four episodes. They were all killed <laughs> immediately afterwards. But I, I I'm gonna. He definitely killed, I think he killed way more than the three people that we know about Mm -hmm. and uh, way more than the five he was implicated in. I'm going to jump this guy up to a nine from from my original eight score. Here's an interesting, like, uh, moral question. Uh, The guys that he killed were involved in the crime stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So is there a lesser value to their lives? Is it worse... Like in my mind, like if he went, if he went and, and killed somebody who was completely innocent bystander or whatever, like that's significantly worse than killing someone that's already involved in this life. It's not cool to murder people, but I'm just saying that like I feel like that yeah the value of their lives is less. <laughs> I, I agree with that. <laughs> that's, that's I agree to say. With that. When you say it out loud, you're like, I can't believe I just did that. But I, really, if you break it down to like first principles, these dudes probably had it coming. They knew what they were in. My thought is on that, that they did. I don't think that they hesitated when they met the truck driver who didn't want to give up the load of yeah, the carton of cigarettes. You know, they were just like, all right, fuck yeah. you. I tried to tell you. Yeah. Boom. And just yeah. fucking whacked them. Yeah. You know? Yep. So that's eh, that's where I kind of waited a little bit. Heavier. A lot of these murders were just little beefs. Um, so like in Goodfellas, uh-huh. when um, uh, Joe Pesci's character yeah. is murdered. That whole yeah, setup yep. was because of uh, Billy Bats. He he is either assaulted one of the guys. They killed, wives. they killed Billy Bats, and that that guy was a made guy. And they you again like we were talking earlier, you can't kill a made guy without having a meeting. Yeah, and they killed Billy Bats, and, uh, and then they found out about it because they remember they tried to pretend like we don't know what happened to him. Okay, so yeah, so when you look at most of the murders that were taking place, it was all like little beefs, like. A guy would insult someone, yeah. and then this guy would like get drunk and shove a guy's wife or something, and that would get you killed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these signs of disrespect, and it was like you said, you'd want to kill somebody, and because they would make you mad, they would either yeah. 
kill someone that you know in your family or is associated with you, so mm-hmm. you want to get back at them. But it's just this constant back back and forth yeah. of like little menial shit yeah. that like is just um, is definitely avoidable and was you know just kind of very egocentric. Yeah, and when you think about it, just kind of like the respect and don't respect me and well, and I think honestly that's the thing. Like when we're talking about the murders, like I I wait the his asshole score for the murders less, but the extortion more. Because when you're extorting people, those people are innocent bystanders. They're, they're they're small business owners. They're whatever. And the they, mom and pop. Yeah, and, stuff and like they don't that. they don't want to be involved in that. They like people that are getting murdered. Or that those people wanted to be involved in this crime stuff for the most part. But the people like I said that are getting extorted, they're just trying to live their lives. You that need our works. protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, and it's funny. Like when you start committing crimes that are not the normal ones, where you may have to Google like, hmm, what is racketeering? Right. Exactly? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's, it's like a, a catch-all. Well, it's kind of like your grandpa. It's a racket. Yeah, that's what it, they're ripping you off. Yeah, that's what's happening in a mass scale. That's what's happening. You're committing uh, whatever crime it takes to rip somebody off, yeah. so they roll it into racketeering. Yeah, like the doctor that uh, hooked up Castellano with his dick pump. He was like, "I can do this surgery for you," and then Castellano was like, "Well, you seem like a really nice guy. You got a really nice office here." He was like, "If something goes wrong with my dick, there's going to be problems." You can pay me a little cash, make my dick work right. <laughs> I just want to keep working this joke. I want one more chance to do the <laughs> taking his blood pressure. I'm ready, <laughs> Mom. I'm hey, done. You, you got a nice practice here. I'd hate for something horrible to happen to my dick. No, I'm sincere. I don't want anything bad to happen to my dick. It's not a threat. I'm actually Paul Castellano. I'm more of a legitimate businessman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure you are, Miss Kesslon. I'll be real, real careful, sir. I tell you what, I want to take you out for a nice steak dinner. Uh, <laughs> I know this great place. Yeah, Sparks. It's right over there near. Uh... <laughs> All right, so, excellent. So the, good show, good discussion. Round up, uh, what is the final asshole score? Final asshole score eight point three three. Carrying over. All right, uh, good show, guys. Okay, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcasts. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So, until next time, remember the golden rule, and don't be an asshole, or you might find yourself on Asshole Court.